Hi, and welcome to the Be With Podcast with your host, me, Barbara Roshna. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first interview in my series of three that are a gift for winter solstice, reflecting on the parallel experiences of solstice and trauma, of knowing that together it is our light and our darkness that creates our wholeness. Now, if all those words that I just said are a little confusing to you, I wonder if that means that maybe you didn't listen to the intro to these three interviews. If so, go back and listen to the intro. That is episode number nine. This is number 10. So listen to number nine. Okay, you did? Great. I'm so glad. Welcome to the first interview. I'm so glad to have you here. Our first full-length episode is with Amy Kretzky, who is a friend of mine and a practitioner who I've worked with myself um, and someone I've supported. She is someone who has been kind of um, a companion, a comrade in the work of moving into the body and learning to soften and learning to listen for the call of spirit by attending to the inner child wounding and making space for the full width and breadth of human feelings and experience. I feel like she's someone that has journeyed through that in a similar way to that I have through different modalities, but has been on a similar path and and so to share her her story and her podcast with you feels like a really great privilege because I feel like she mirrors the experience of so many others who have learned how to feel as adults and make space for all sorts of safe feeling in adulthood. So I'll give you her professional bio first. Um, just I'm going to read you a few lines from her website. Um, she is a licensed acupuncturist. She is a nationally board certified Chinese herbalist. She is a certified health coach, a wellness coach. She is a level two Reiki healer. Uh, co-owns Constellation Acupuncture and Healing Arts, and she's also fully trained in breath work in all four levels. And so Amy is a is a boss. Like Amy is a boss in terms of like entrepreneurial level boss level ship, but she's also a boss in terms of like pursuing her healing and walking the talk, which makes being with her a real opportunity to sit at the feet of someone who carries a lot of embodied wisdom, a lot of embodied knowledge, a lot of knowing how to live your way into this work and continually embody more of who you really are. And so I'm, I'm so, so, so excited to be sharing this interview with you. Um, Specifically for us, we're going to be talking and hearing a lot about her breathwork experience and how breathwork came into her life to allow her to begin to do some of this deeper nervous system level work. We're going to talk a little bit about implicit memory and feeling flashbacks, so what it's like when you know things come up but we don't really have a memory associated with them, we just have the feeling. We're going to talk a little bit about the possibility of what a world would look like if more people got to do trauma work and receive trauma care. We'll discuss the differences kind of between big T trauma and little t trauma. So why so many of us decide that, you know, we don't have trauma because we've, let's say, never been through a violent attack of any kind. And so we might dismiss the idea of having trauma until we realize like, hey, I have maybe some developmental trauma that 
exists in me or maybe some trauma that exists because of structural oppression. Um, and then we're also just going to talk about spirit and the work of spirit. I mean, just talk about spirit. The work of spirit in our lives and in our healing and the the healing that spirit does and offers and the way that spirit uses our healing to create exponential changes, not just in ourselves, but also in our communities widely. Um, so there's a lot of ground that we cover over the 45 minutes that, you know, we're chatting. Uh, and if you're interested in working with Amy, if you kind of get curious about her style, about her approach towards things, there's lots of ways you can get, you know, to know her. She writes a really excellent newsletter for business owners and creatives that I absolutely love, um, that I really highly suggest getting on. But she's also really, really engaging and thoughtful and deep on Instagram. So that's like a great way just to begin to follow her. Um, and then if you if you find her approach towards business really helpful, you might be interested in her Breathwork for Business series, which is available for free on her website. It's an absolutely invaluable resource for business owners. It's like a five-day introduction to breathwork in order to get more clarity on your business, on your practice, on what spirit might be calling you towards next. And then, you know, we did talk a little bit about belly stuff at the end. So actually something that's really exciting is that she's got a new program coming out called Breathwork for Bellies that she's releasing as part of her acupuncture clinic called Constellation. You can also find that in the show notes. And I'm really, really excited about this offering. I have IBS and it's something that definitely flares when I am not supporting my nervous system really well or, you know, not paying attention. And so that's something I'm really excited about that she's bringing into the world because she has so much lived experience with healing that and taking care of herself and regulating her nervous system and listening for spirit and really paying attention to her health in a holistic way there. So I'll leave the introduction of that. Enjoy the episode um, and I will see you on the other side. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you. Thank you for coming. And thank you for coming, especially to talk as part of this trauma series. You know, it it feels like every time I send one of these requests out, it feels like a ballsy request to send. Not just to be like, hey, do you want to come and talk about your journey? Or like, do you want to come and talk about your love of expertise or whatever? I'm like, hey, do you want to come and talk about trauma? Yeah, right. Totally. (laughs) But everyone has been so supportive and receptive and it, you know, it just feels like such a gift to be able to have you here to talk about this because I feel like we can have a conversation that's very much not just friend to friend, which I think is really important, but also practitioner to practitioner. Yeah. Um, And I think we're both practitioners who work in a variety of modes. You know, we work with emotions, we work with bodies, we work with souls. Yeah. And that's really, really unique. Even as I said that, I actually had goosebumps run through my body. And so I just want to, I want you to know that that means a lot to me because I think a lot of people are going to get, um, yeah, a lot out of this conversation because there are so many of us out there who as practitioners, 
want to be doing our work in a responsible way, in a thoughtful way, but also know that our work out in the world with others is intimately correlated with our own work. And that to do one well, we have to be doing the other. And that part of doing the other is also sometimes doing the first. So, you know, like there's this beautiful symbiotic relationship and I, um, yeah, I just feel so lucky to be able to be part of your circle and to know that you teach and lead your work from your, from your own living of it, which is such a big deal. So thank you. Yeah. I, yeah. I really appreciate that coming from you. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, sometimes I just feel like we need to have like more honest time in terms of like having mutual admiration societies. Absolutely. And like, also practice like receiving that admiration. Right? Because so often, you know, maybe me three years ago would have been like, oh, well, thanks, but like brush it off in some way. And I'm just going to say, thank you. I'm going to receive yeah. it right now. I'm so glad you are. Also, like for anybody listening, if you don't feel like you're in consistent admiration of the people you spend time with, maybe just a thing to consider. Because yeah. I feel like that's what makes for a life where you feel good about it. Um, but yeah, having that done that little PSA, just like curiosity, why yeah. did you say yes to coming on and talking about trauma? Because I trust you implicitly. Oh. I mean, that's really the first answer that comes into my head because it's true. I mean, like, yeah. like full disclosure, you know, Barbara and I go way back in terms of um, we've worked together in different capacities and we're friends mm -hmm. and we just both really like care for each other as humans. Mm -hmm. And so I trust you implicitly. Yeah. So talking about trauma with you doesn't feel scary. Yeah. Because it's like part of the constellation of just life rather yeah. than being this one big scary topic. Totally. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, what's your comfort level like day to day talking about trauma with others? Pretty comfortable. I'm yeah. pretty open book in a lot of ways. And I definitely, um, I definitely feel that the way I teach best is through experience. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I use a lot of analogies, but at the same time, I'm not the master of analogies. And so it's easiest for me just to like talk from experience yeah. um, instead of, you know, putting a lens over something that I've been through and turning it into an analogy. Like I'm not usually going to talk about something um, that I'm currently going through because I'm still or at least I try not to do that. Like I try to allow myself the space and time to process it. Mm -hmm. um, but once I have processed it in my own way, like sharing that's really important. Um, if you look at my birth chart, if you're someone that likes astrology, um, my entire, like to a birth chart, for those of you that have maybe never looked at a birth chart before is it looks like a big circle and each of the circle, it's like a pizza pie. So each circle is kind of um, split up into 12 slices of pizza. And my birth chart has all of the planets in the top half of the pizza. So you call it like an umbrella chart because everything is just in like the top half and nothing is in the bottom half. And someone once told me that um, people that, have everything in the top half it's a lot more of like being seen and expressing things outwardly and there's a lot more um of the way that i process things is actually really outwardly as opposed to inwardly which is partly why i've never been really into journaling as a type of processing tool for myself i've always been much more of a talk therapy person or like talking mm -hmm. it out with a friend or something like that and so um you know, talking about trauma actually feels really 
good to me because, you know, for me personally, as part of my constellation of, of my stars, it, it supports me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the case for so many more people than we realize. And I think that's partially why so many people are living with diagnosed trauma and symptoms of trauma and not able to see resolution of those symptoms or of those limitations because there's such a stigma in talking about these parts of ourselves that have gotten stuck, these parts of our nervous system that, you know, are frozen in time, basically have never been able to move through an experience. And therefore we're seeing, you know, all sorts of coping mechanisms come up. We're seeing ourselves be triggered at different times because it's not okay. Like, socially to talk about what happens in the moment of adversity, whether, you know, we're little or we're adults. And because there's so much victim blaming that happens, you know, whether we're looking at kind of the secular world and victim blaming in terms of sexual assault, or looking in the spiritual world and victim blaming in terms of like law of attraction. Right. And so I feel like there's not, and it's partially why I wanted to do this series is for one, I'm very similar to you. I absolutely 100% process best out loud. And this series is really happening as a result of me. You know, I've always done, like I, you know, I started doing trauma work more intensely, probably about three and a half years ago in therapy. So a while ago, Um, but I did a really big chunk. And then I took a couple of years off of doing that specific work. And recently I've returned to it maybe in the last like two and a half months now. And it's been absolutely mind-blowing and so so healing and so supportive and i know that part of my process is that i move through my own work faster if i can name what's happening step by step and sometimes i'm like i need to like almost the way i finish getting through a step is that i look back and i say oh look at that step i'm finishing which like Mm -hmm. I literally look back with my head right now. So I'm like, I wonder how the audio will catch that. But you know, like literally that's how I also process things. And so I want to, I don't know. I just want to create more space and more safety for us to be having these conversations. And I think lots of people are already really doing that work. Um, But I just wonder like, what would it mean if a large portion of the population had a safe space to explore the way that, you know, small T and capital T trauma, you know, whether that's, we're talking about complex childhood trauma or talking about some process of losing a friend or losing someone to sudden death or whatever, like, you know, or we're just talking about like an abusive boss at a job, but that over time due to chronic stress creates trauma in the body. Like, you know, if we had all of us more safe spaces to talk about how these things have affected us and then then I think we would be more willing and likely to actually seek out healing modalities that can support that because healing modalities that support trauma resolution are different than other healing modalities that can support other things. Like we have to drop into the body. We have to work with, I think with spirit and soul, if we want to do trauma resolution, because so much of that work is about, for one, our nervous system, but for two, also like fundamental ways we understand safety in the world. And that is 100% hands down, always a spiritual issue. Like there's no way around it. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist, you know, talking about fundamental safety in the world is going to come down to how you feel spiritually, Yeah, whether you believe in a God or not. 
So, or a goddess, you know, so I just feel like this is such an important conversation to have. I'm so glad we're having it together. Um, I I think that's partly why so many people over this last year during the Me Too era have been voicing and like, Mm -hmm. it's so healing to have your voice be heard. And for people to say like, I hear you, I believe you, I see you. And so, um, yeah, that verbal that verbal space to share that, that is just so important. I mean, it's literally step one of trauma resolution because what happens when we experience trauma is that like, we're not able, we don't have the capacity, the resources, the safety, whatever, right. To process Mm -hmm. something difficult. So it gets stuck in us. And one of the main things that happens is we're not even able to name and own the experience. There's no validation that happens over how difficult that is for us because we can't even express how difficult it is for us. So I think like even being able to name the thing, yeah, that is like step one to being like, oh shit, this happened. Like, because there's no, that's what's like spiritual bypassing is literally going around the, this happened and it was hard. Right. Totally. And I love how you talk about the trauma with a big T and a little T, because I think that that's so important because for a long time, and maybe this is, maybe I'm imagining, I might not be clear on this. And that might be because for me, I've only really seen the difference between big T and little T trauma in the last year. So um, I don't know if that's a collective experience or if that's Mm -hmm. something that's more personal to me, but you know, for a long time, I really I was like, well, I'm not a trauma survivor because, um, you know, I'm incredibly grateful that I've never been, um, had a sexual assault um, on me or anything like that. And yet I have, about a year ago, I kind of started, imag- not imagining, I started um, being able to name that the, what I went through with being sick and having chronic disease and everything that went into my body with that was a type of trauma. Mm -hmm. And then also like really even going back even further, especially kind of through the work that we did and and some other things like all the little tiny amounts of like micro traumas, like as a Mm -hmm. child, kind of collectively, like you were saying, those small things coming together under stress can create a trauma Mm -hmm. response as well. And so I think it's really important to um, allow people to realize that there's a wide scope of what trauma can look like. And it's Mm -hmm. not just someone that's come back from war or someone that has survived a sexual assault. You know, there's a a huge variety of trauma there. And then to even go back further and to get back to what we were talking about, about being in the body and it being Mm -hmm. almost cellular in a type of way. I mean, you can get super scientific with epigenetics. Um, For people that aren't sure what epigenetics are, it's basically the thought is, um, you are technically in your grandmother's body because when you're, when there's a fetus, the fetus actually has all of the eggs that they're ever going to have in their lifetime. And so when your mother was in your grandmother's uterus, you were actually there too. So if your grandmother went through trauma, um, like for instance, I'm of um, like a Jewish lineage. Um, My ancestors were not in the Holocaust, but they were in a lot of, um, a lot of problematic areas in Russia mm-hmm. and, you know, as for your family, mm-hmm. you know, and so there, there's different sorts of trauma that goes through um, that we can be born into because of what our ancestors went through. Mm-hmm. There's a great on being. Do you ever listen to on being? Mm-hmm. It's recorded there's, here. Oh, there's a great, really? 
Yeah, I know a bunch of people that work for that podcast. So cool. Um, yeah, there's a great On Being episode with Rachel Yehuda about epigenetics that I think is really, really excellent. And I'll, I'll make sure to put it in the show notes so that if yeah. people want to do some more learning, that's a great, I think, access point. You know, one of the reasons I got you to come on is to talk a little bit about your experience with breathwork. Um, it is a form of, would you say it's meditation? I call it an active meditation. Active meditation, yeah. So it's a form of active meditation that you do, that you've led me through, which I love and really appreciate all the healing experiences I've had with you doing that and that I go to for um, a really certain form, a really specific form of support in my life because I find it so powerful. But part of why I wanted to invite you to come talk about it is because I've really felt you emphasize that it's given you certain forms of release, um, especially in terms of like difficult feelings and difficult experiences and different things that feel trapped in the body that otherwise it, it sounds like you might have not had access to before. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about kind of your breathwork origin story. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and what, what is it that drew you to breathwork? What is it that it's offered you? Um, yeah. What, what makes it different? Totally. Um, so I'll start by saying that breathwork, like Barbara said, active meditation it's beautiful in its simplicity because it really is just a specific style of breathing. You don't need any specific tools other than your body and your lungs. Um, I think it's interesting because you asked what my origin story is and I didn't seek out breath work. It found me. Mm -hmm. um, I stumbled upon it because an, I'm an acupuncturist, like I mentioned at the beginning, and there's another acupuncturist who used to be out in New York City um, that I had found through Instagram or something like that. And they offered this thing called breathwork. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I'm, I'm curious about this. And so when they did a, um, the person's name is Erin Telford. And when she first did an online offering, I was like, well, I'm going to try this out. And I did it. And it blew me away, just like knocked my socks off, blew me away. And I can be a really like cerebral person. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think partly because we can get into this later, but I think partly because of growing up in an environment where there was a lot of anger mm -hmm. in my household um, and a lot of yelling in my household. And I didn't um, always have the support I needed to express emotions. I, what was really, um, kind of lauded in the household was smarts, like brain smarts. And so, um, being smart and getting good grades and having a very like rational brain mm -hmm. got me really far in life and kept me very safe in a lot of ways. And going into this first breathwork experience, um, it's funny because breathwork is all about getting you out of the head and into the body. That is the number one goal of this practice is to drop you out of the brain and into the body. Um, and during this first experience, I was so cerebral during the whole time I was starting to like vibrate in my body and I was feeling energy move. And it was interesting because because I'm an acupuncturist, I know where certain energy channels of the body are. And I could honestly feel the energy moving along what's called the heart meridian. Mm -hmm. And it was blowing my mind. And I was like, 
you know, the heart meridian is very specific. It's like along the pinky finger and then on the lateral aspect of the arm and like up into the armpit. And the fact that I could feel that energy so strongly there mm-hmm. was, was mind blowing. You know, now years down the road, it's like, well, obviously, because this practice is all about opening the heart. And so to feel that energy in the heart meridian, when I was a person that was very heart blocked in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways, Mm -hmm. makes so much sense. But at the time, I like was having so much trouble actually dropping into the body because I was like, what is happening right now? I want to know everything about it. So anyway, long story short, this first experience was really profound for me. I felt like um, I felt like it moved energy in a very physical way. Like I, mm-hmm. like I said, I could feel it in my body in ways that I had never felt in acupuncture before. And that really just opened my eyes to other different ways that we could move things in the body. And, and so um, I, I wanted to know everything about it right away. I'm this sort of person when I find something that I really love, I can dive in head first. And so I did. And now it's been a couple years and I've done, um, not only did I work with Erin, the person I found this work through, but then I worked with her teacher um, and did a whole four levels of certification with him and now work with other people. And Um, even though I've been leading others, I'm still doing the work myself. Like this is very much, I might be 10 steps ahead of the person that I'm working with, but I'm still along the path as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that there, I don't think that healing is linear. I don't think that there is an end point. I think that we're all constantly, and I know that you believe this too. And so like, we're all constantly just on the road. Um, but so a couple different things that have a couple different experiences that were really profound for me in breathwork. Um, you know, the very first time I did it, um, I, you asked about me having a sort of release. Mm-hmm. And I will say that along with being a very cerebral person, that tends to mean I can be very emotionally blocked in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And, and this is a practice that has allowed me to soften a lot in the last couple of years, but in the beginning, it wasn't necessarily like that. And in the beginning for me, what the practice mainly did was I felt like it insanely opened me up to my intuition. Like I felt more connected to spirit, more connected to my higher self, more connected to my guides than I ever had before. And I was like getting messages and visions and things that ended up becoming true later. And I was like, wow, this is really powerful. And, and so that was kind of like enough for me to want to keep doing it. And then when I started actually working through some emotional stuff that came up, mm-hmm. I had resistance because it's not fun going through yeah. emotional stuff. Like this is not, this is not how I want to spend my Saturday night is like yeah. dealing with those ghosts in my closet that I, that I just put back there for a reason. And so um, I feel like because I had one experience with breath work that really connected me to my higher self. It gave me the trust I needed that when things got hard for me, I could stick mm-hmm. with it and know mm-hmm. that this was like worth it. Mm. Can I just say I love that so much because it it's like you were talking about connecting both to, you know, this higher self, this intuitive self, that's the self that's like the divine spark while also actually strengthening your connection to the human animal. Yeah. And the human animal is the part of us that has all the feelings and all the experiences and, and has all those, you know, skeletons that are not like, they're not a problem of being human. They're part of being human. Totally. And, and the breath work support you to connect to both of those more deeply. 
Yeah. And the thing that I love about breath work is that, um, spirit is intelligent. Like spirit is more intelligent than I am. Spirit is more intelligent Mm -hmm. than you are. It's more intelligent than any of us, which is why it's about getting us out of our heads and in the body because spirit knew that if I had a really big, like trauma release in my first experience, I've been like, Oh, fuck no. (laughs) Like like, I'm out. Right. And Mm -hmm by allowing me to have these first experiences that were much more creative and intuitive and, and like really beautiful in that way. Mm -hmm. It gave me that trust and that support that I want to keep doing this work so that when things did come up, that felt a lot harder. I felt more supported. That being said, not everybody has that. I've worked with clients where their first session is much more of a trauma release, but that was what they needed in that moment because spirit is intelligent. And so, you know, I, I like to say that, um, there is no one way of having a breathwork experience. And even for the same person, like I've done it hundreds of times now, and it's different every single time people I've worked with that I work with on a consistent basis every week, they have different experiences. Mm -hmm. Last night I had a woman in my group who has been to like four of my groups now. And she said that last night was the most intense, that they've all been intense in different ways. But then last night was like a big one. And what I responded to her when she kind of asked me about that was, you know, we heal in layers, like, like layers of an onion. We like Mm -hmm. pull away one layer and there's something underneath. And so then we pull away something else. And just like an onion, some of those layers are a little bit more papery and thin. And some of them are like thicker and juicier. And last night we just pulled away a layer that was thicker and juicier. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you know, like for yourself, when you're working with those thicker, juicier layers of like intensity or release, how for yourself do you decide when to move into the work and when to say, okay, maybe no breath work tonight, tonight, maybe it's just like a tarot pull and something else. Yeah, that's a good question. Let me sit with that for one second. This answer might feel like a cop-out, but, and, um, Mm -hmm. it's still the truth. And I think that it goes back to that answer I just gave of spirit being intelligent. And I think spirit knows like, what I can handle and what I can't handle. Mm. And for me, um, you know, I have a breathwork practice that I'll do on my own mm-hmm. without someone guiding me or a group or anything like that. And then I also practice in groups of other people, like when I'm on retreat with my teacher or um, on an online group with somebody. And I will say a hundred percent that for one reason or another, you know, well, not one reason or another because spirit is intelligent. <laughs> yeah. It happens this way. Every time I have had one of those like juicier, bigger things come up during session, it's always been in a supportive session. So it's always yeah. either been with another practitioner leading me through or in an in-person group or a group where I felt really supported. Um, so I, I haven't had to really be in, I haven't had to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I will also say that I almost wonder if that's one of those things of like trying to be too cerebral about it or trying to like think like, well, I know what's best right now. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, mm-hmm. no, I mean, we're co-creating right here yeah. with the universe. And so um, if we really want to embody this surrender of the hangman or the trust of like temperance and stuff like that, then we can't 
we can't know, we can't pretend to know what's best for us because we don't actually know what's best for us. Mm -hmm. Like we have to trust some of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I feel like surrender is at the very heart of everything you just said. And I don't think it's a cop out. I think it's an extremely, extremely brave answer. And I think it's what, I want to say the best because I don't want to be creating hierarchies, but I think it's what those of us who are living in a lot of integrity as healers and practitioners. I think those that are living with a lot of integrity and healing with a lot of integrity, I think that's what we're aiming for Mm -hmm. is a continued practice of surrender. Yeah, totally. Surrender to our work, surrender to something bigger than us. Um, Yeah. You know, surrender to a trust that like our work is just to show up. Totally. And I think that, um, I, when I say that I have a personal breathwork practice, it's not that I'm doing 30 to 45 minutes of breathwork every day Mm -hmm. because that that longer session is going to bring up more stuff. And when I'm doing my personal breathwork practice that I do every day at home, it's like seven to 10 minutes. Like it's enough to get things feeling and flowing and good. Um, you know, there are people out there that seven minutes of breath work is going to get them like crying and bringing up a lot of stuff, but it doesn't do that for me. And I, I'm good with that. Um, and I think, so for me, it's like, yeah, I'm doing it every day. I'm not doing the super deep stuff every day. I feel like there's healing in doing the deep stuff and there's healing in doing the rest and having the day where I'm not going to do it. Like, um, I, you know, one of the traumatic things that I've gone through in my life is that in 2012, yeah, in, in 2012, I, herniated a disc in my neck that I didn't realize was herniated and it ended up bursting and I had, uh, my left arm was paralyzed Mm -hmm. and I ended up having like really major spinal surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, that was like an emergency surgery. Like it was a whole thing. And anyone that's had any sort of major surgery knows that you're fucking exhausted after you have surgery. And if you can make it through the day with just like opening your eyes and getting some food in you and going back to bed, like you're winning, you're totally winning. And so, um, we forget that rest is like an integral part to healing because our body is doing a lot of stuff. Like same with sleep, you know, it's important for us to get sleep because our, our body is literally cleaning stuff up all Mm -hmm all through the night, which is why mm-hmm. you wake up and you have to poop and you have to pee and like all this stuff. You're just like letting it all go. What, what your yeah. body cleaned up. Totally. And I mean, there's also so much to be said for the fact that like when we rest, when we have any sort of daily practices that aren't about like bringing up all the stuff, but that are just about living our life in a way w- that where we feel comfortable, like that is very good nervous system regulation. Totally. And that is so healing for anyone who's living with, you know, shit, like any sort of symptoms of trauma that, you know, might look like even more intensive anxiety than otherwise they would have. Like nervous system regulation. I mean, one of the major problems of capitalism is this idea that there always has to be more, 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 bigger, 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 go harder, harder, harder. And um, what is um, congratulated and um, raised up is people pushing themselves mm-hmm. past the point of what they can and, and what we really need to be supporting and congratulating and like lifting up is um, people who know their limits and people who 
prioritize rest and recuperation and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I think it's so powerful. Um, I also am just really curious about something that you said and if it's okay, like if I go there, you know, yeah. and if it's not, let me know. Um, but you said, you know, in your childhood home, something that wasn't like something that was very strongly encouraged was a very cerebral way, logical, rational way of moving about in life. And that's something that also happened in my home. And, and in my household, the way that that was framed to me was, you know, Barbara, like, let's put emotions to the side now and let's be logical about this, this thing that you're upset about. And I think about the way that that shuts a person down, the way that that literally tells us that kind of our, the way we are feeling about something is not appropriate and is not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and that breath work is literally about this full body, full scale surrender to feeling it all. And, yeah. you know, the fact that it's an act of meditation, like, it's almost like you're so busy breathing. Yeah. There's no way, you know, because the active breath is so strong. It's a, it's a forced breath. And you're breathing through your mouth, which is partly what keeps you out of your head. It's when you breathe through your nose that you're bringing oxygen up to the brain more. And really when we're breathing to the mouth in a more energetic sense, we're keeping it in the second, third and fourth and fifth chakras. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're keeping it out of the sixth and seventh. Yeah. But to go off of what you were just saying, Mm -hmm. especially with that like cerebral versus feeling, like heart versus brain. Um, So just this weekend, um, today's a Thursday, and this past weekend I I did the final breathwork healer level four training with my teacher and a group of 40 other beautiful humans in Los Angeles. And on our last day, uh, we had a group breathwork session, and I had like one of the most beautiful and supportive and sad and all those things experiences come up and it was completely around that and what showed up for me was um how when I was a kid and then the age that's coming to me right now is kind of like three four five years old like pretty young kid Mm -hmm. um my dad would only have to take like a look at me and I would burst into tears and I think that that was because I was probably a much more sensitive Mm -hmm. and empathetic um person then than I realized and he didn't have any way to um, process his feelings. So they just came out in anger. And so somehow I was like trying to process all of it for him. Mm -hmm. But then I would just get in trouble basically because I would just be like bursting into tears all the time and like hiding in the closet of my bedroom. And so in that breathwork session, I, I like what the vision that came to me, like the images that were coming to me was me at three years old, like hiding in the little nook in between like my bed and the wall that I used to like hide in. And like me now came to little me and we like went and sat on my bed together. And basically what came up is that she said, um, it's not safe to cry. And, you know, me as an adult, um, you know, like as a, as a spiritual healer, like on the internet, like you see people all the time about how they cry and like all, all of these terrible shitty things that are happening in our world right now, like bring people to tears. And I agree that all of these things are terrible and shitty, but for one reason or another, I don't cry about them. And that's because I don't cry a lot in general because mm-hmm. I cried so much as a child and got in so much trouble for crying a lot as a child that it felt not safe to cry. And so I basically taught myself how to not cry. Mm-hmm. And breath work is something where I do cry in it and it feels yeah. like safe and supportive to cry. And yeah. 
in that session, I basically came to myself and, and we sat on my bed together and I like had my arm around her and was just telling her like, it's okay to cry. Like it's safe to cry. Mm -hmm. You're safe to like feel your emotions. And that felt incredibly healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, that's such a powerful story, especially because I think, you know, and I mean, I don't want to project on your inner child and on the three-year-old child you that you were, but I also am thinking about all the work that I've been doing around, yeah, all the yelling that happened in my household when I was a kid. Uh, like I had a mom who was a rager, and so that had a really intense impact on me. And I have been doing a lot of work on how hard I work to protect my my mom specifically from myself, like how hard I work to protect her from feeling angry at her or feeling upset with her or from calling her a bad mother because mm -hmm. I mean, because you never want to do that to your parent as a child totally. because they are who you depend on for survival. Totally. And so I almost, you know, I almost am curious about like your three-year-old self, four-year-old self, five-year-old self, whatever it was, you know, and how you burst into tears just when your dad looked at you, how there was this mix of things going on. And I wonder if one of the possibilities of what was happening is that when your dad looked at you, your animal body burst into tears, not just because you were processing his pain, but also because him looking at you maybe made some part of you afraid. Oh, totally. The yelling had happened. The yelling was going to happen again. This is a frightening experience for a child. A hundred percent. Right. But because you're also the child of your father, it means you can't think my dad is bad. So what happens is, then is that, you know, when I, I talk about this, I talked about this on my blog years ago when I had a blog at a blog for like three months, it failed because I don't like writing blogs. <laughs> right. But there's, um, the way, um, what is it called? Implicit memory. Do you know what implicit memory is? Yeah, that sounds very familiar. Okay. So implicit memory, I call them feeling flashbacks is when we have, um, a response to something when we get triggered by someone in our present current circumstance and the feeling of the past comes up without a specific memory attached to it. Yeah. And it's not just like we feel like extra intense about the thing that's happening. Sometimes there'll be a whole other feeling and it'll like come out of left field and we'll be like, where's that feeling from? And the memory won't come up because we may have never formulated the memory or the memory might be, um, you know, repressed, but often the memory is not even there because the brain is not able to make memories in those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even that whole, like my dad gave me one weird look where he's like angry about something, but doesn't actually say it, make me burst into tears. I mean, that would happen until I was in my like high school and college even because that's what would happen when I was like three years old and the high school college me that would burst into tears when my dad looked at me like, never cried about anything else, like <laughs> at all, like during breakups or anything, like I wasn't a crier, but my dad yeah. gave me one look, I cried. Yeah. So that's literally, that's what implicit memory is. Yeah. And the, the way, one of the ways of working with it, I mean, it sounds like breathwork is literally offering you a way to work with it because you're yeah. going back in and you're letting yourself have the full experience of that emotion in a safe way, you know, yeah. in a way where you're resourcing yourself, which is really important. And I would in, say that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's actually trauma. Like mm -hmm. that's a trauma response. Like it doesn't need to be capital T trauma, but that's literally like, that's the nervous system changing the mechanics of how your memory around that thing is so that your implicit 
so that your experience can, can continue to change now because you can get to move forward in time rather than being frozen in time. But what I love is that, you know, the way that I have worked sometimes with implicit memory is that like in that moment, you know, I'll either get my client to close their eyes and we drop into the body and we find where them, we find a physical location in the body to get some information and maybe that's where the inner child will be. Or sometimes literally the person will right away be like, I'll be like, how big do you feel? And they'll be like, oh, I'm really small right now. Tiny. Right? There you go. You're a child. Okay. So that memory, that's from a while back ago. Totally. So like, the other thing is that like with implicit memory, we actually get all these other signals that we can use to trace back and create healing so that this is, and it's something I just recorded an episode about, like, so this is a moment where we are activating our trauma rather than just being triggered in it. And when we activate it intentionally and actually work with it and are able to have, you know, um, a regulatory process around it and are able to have a resolution around it, then suddenly we get to finish processing it. We get to release whatever didn't get to be released back then. We get to reestablish safety and boom, we get to experience healing and move forward. Totally. Which is like, I feel exactly what breathwork has offered me and Mm. what I do with other people with breathwork. Like it is about um, intentionally connecting to that part of ourselves that was hurt. Yeah. That was traumatized and showing up for it with support and healing in a safe and brave way. I mean, I love that so much. It makes me so happy. And I think it's so powerful, you know? And I think part of what makes it powerful is that you're doing this really, really important work in a way where people don't have to be talking about it. Yes. I mean, so talk therapy is so important and so wonderful Mm -hmm. and I highly endorse it. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, the body needs therapy. And so it's like, I can't think of a good analogy right now, but basically there there are two parts to a whole and you can't just focus on one part. You have to have a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. And um, I've had patients or clients or whatever you want to call them leave my table after a breathwork session and say like, holy shit, that was worth years of therapy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, and that happens. And I think that's actually a good clue to any of our listeners who are doing some of this work for in their healing right now. If you've been in therapy for a while and you hit places of like being stuck, it might just be a moment to look for a different type of practitioner, to look for someone who does a little bit more body-based work, someone who works in somatics, someone who does breath work, you know, Um, because certain modes of our being like language can only get us so far before yeah. other parts of us need healing. And, yeah. I, know, so. I know that you've read this book and I assume a lot of people maybe listening have, but that book, the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, goes into all of this yeah. in a really beautiful way about how the physical body really does hold on to trauma. Yeah, totally true. Um, okay. A fun question as we kind of like begin to, you know, wrap up the interview how do you know that this is, I mean, you kind of talked about the crying. Is there anything else that gives you information about the fact that breath work heals something uniquely for you yes. in a way that other modalities haven't touched? Yes, absolutely. Um, so here's one experience that I'll share. Um, 
I mentioned earlier in this podcast that I live with chronic disease. Uh, what that is, is it's called Crohn's disease. It's an autoimmune disease of the gastrointestinal system. I was diagnosed with it in 2004. Um, and I, side note, I firmly now believe that part of the reason why that happened, not, this isn't in like a karma, like I did something bad and so now I'm getting like disease from it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, um, I wasn't fully able to feel emotions and -hmm. I wasn't able to process them. And so I was like holding them in my body in this way that then created disease. So I I do think that um, the Crohn's happened because of a lack of processing some of that stuff. There's other factors involved. But um, so anyway, I have Crohn's. I'm what you could call in remission. Like I don't take pharmaceuticals or anything for it. And I feel pretty good most of the time. Um, but it's still something that I deal with every day. And when I first started doing breath work, I mentioned earlier that you can get really tingly and almost like vibrating in this work. And for the first, maybe like six months that I did this work, I felt it mostly in my hands, my arms, my mouth, my head. It was a very upper body experience. And the first time that I felt really strong vibrations in my stomach and in my belly and in my mm-hmm. torso, I knew that I was clearing a blockage, oh. like that there had been a really strong energetic blockage, a lot of trauma, like actual physical trauma, because part of Crohn's disease is that my intestines were eating away at each other. And so that I literally had holes, like ulcers in my intestines. And so there was um, scar tissue and like a lot of physical trauma in my abdomen. And I felt like this one specific session, I knew that I was healing that part of my body because I could feel the tingling and the vibration start to move down into my torso. Mm-hmm. And I, that was actually probably the first time that I really just tears, just crying, just pouring out of me. Like I had had some tears before, but this was the, that first really juicy onion layer that I was like, something is really healing in me right now. And I won't say that I always feel sensation in that area when I do breath work now, but more times than not, I do. And it's even starting to work its way down a little bit lower. I've had a lot of um, gynecological issues over the years too. And so I know that I'm still like working on moving through some of that. So like Mm -hmm. I can physically feel where the energy Mm -hmm. like moving blockages and that feels really important and really healing. It's so fucking awesome. I know, right? But like literally that's changing your biology. Yeah. Your anatomy, your human physical anatomy. Yeah. Also this weekend when I was doing breathing, um, one of the sessions, I really felt a lot of sensation in my gut and I really put my hands on there and I allow, I sent a lot of love into that area. And I had a strong like message come through that, that was basically like, because I'm doing this work and because I'm doing this work consistently and with um, intention and everything that I'm like really never going to have a flare. Like I'm never going to be sick in the way that I was sick before because I'm processing this stuff in a different way. And like it really is healing. Oh, what comforting also for like every part of your nervous system that yeah. you know, when, when we've had an experience like that, like there's always some sort of like background operating fear, you know, until we've made peace with it or done trauma work around it or whatever, you know, like, but that, that is so, so, so beautiful. And yeah. I also, I really love, yeah, any sort of healing that allows us to cross those boundaries, you know, between mind, body, and soul and bring the three into closer alignment 
Like for me, I'm like, that's healing work. When those three remember that they are one here. Yes. It's so powerful. You know, eventually we're not going to have these bodies, but right now we do. So let's remember that this is part of what our being is right now. Mm -hmm. Cool. Let's take care of Um, it. Yeah. What's something that breathwork has made possible for you in your life? Mm. Um, well, so the very first session I ever did, the one where I told you I'm like freaked out and was like mm-hmm. going over everything in my body. Um, at the very end of that, I had a really strong visualization and I don't always get visualizations during them, but it was of a circle of women around a fire out in Joshua Tree. And you will know because you were there, yeah. that I literally took that visualization and made it into reality with the first yeah. retreat I ever did, which um, I was lucky enough to have you in person there for. And it oh, was lovely. so magical. And I, I, I never would have done that without that breathwork session. Like yeah. it wouldn't have come to me. I wouldn't have had the trust and the faith to mm-hmm. like put the, that was a big leap of faith for me to like mm-hmm. put that out there and do it. And it was such a success. Yeah. And like what, if, you know, if we can just have a moment of enjoying the domino effect of that, like my audience, which is hearing this, you know, has heard me talk about you and the visualizations I've got from my breath work with you more times than I could probably count. Mm -hmm. I have mentioned it over and over again, you know, and those visualizations have changed the kind of the way that my business has gone completely. I mean, like initiation <laughs> even. Like I, I feel like that, that first night of our retreat, I led breath work for the group. And you and Maggie and Liz, like there were so many people. And, and like Miriam, Miriam was telling me this weekend that her that session like shifted something for her. And like almost everyone in that group mm-hmm. has said that that one breath work session where we, we were all together yeah. under the full moon in Joshua Tree, yeah transform their business and transform their lives in a lot of different ways. Oh, and like, what a way to have exponential impact. Once again, the goosebumps are back. I know, right? You know, but really exponential. And that's so powerful. I think for us to remember is that like, when we do our own healing, we are doing healing for the collective. And if we keep showing up for our healing and the work we've been given here to do, you never know what's possible out there. That's going to be way beyond you, way beyond you. Yeah. Cool. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing so openly and frankly about your experience. You know, this is something I feel really, um, I'm just feeling like like a great deal of gratitude right now um, because when Madison came on, she shared really frankly as well. And I just feel like I have this group of people in my life who not only have my back, but also how do I say this? This is a goofy way to say it, but like have my front, like are willing to stand <laughs> with me face to face and be fully them and see me as fully me. And yeah. it's such a beautiful way of holding leadership in the world of like being present with one another with our masks off. Um, so thank you for doing that. It really means the world to me. And I, I adore you. I so strongly believe in your work and you're such a role model for me personally in, you know, bringing your politics and your work together. And it makes me feel like I get to continue to do that too. Uh, So thank you for doing that. Also, anything you want this audience to know about healing that you want to leave them with? Yeah. I mean, I know that everything we're talking about feels really heavy, 
Mm-hmm. But like healing can be fun too. Yes. It's not a hundred percent fun all the time. Like, trust me, it's not a hundred percent fun all the time, <laughs> but like it can be fun. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be hard all the time. It doesn't have to be heavy all the time. Like allow yourself a little bit of laughter and joy yes. in the healing process. Yeah. Healing can include potato chips and like dancing to dirty music and, and laughter and laughter and hanging out with friends and yeah. Healing can include all of that. And orgasms. And definitely 100% orgasms. Yes, let's end on that note. Okay, cool. (laughs) Bye. Bye. All right, there we go. You heard the one, the only Amy Koretsky just blessing your ear holes. Was that not good? I I just listened to the last few minutes and I I adore this woman. Okay, so if you need to find her on the internet, it's amykoretsky.com. It is also that on Instagram, I believe. Let me double check. Yep, sure is. And she's great. So go follow her. Go follow her right now. And once again, if you found this episode helpful, my dear friends, you know what to do. Please share a screenshot of this on your stories. Tag me in it. Tag Amy in it. Send this directly to that friend you know who's living with IBS or living with Crohn's. Send that to your friend who, you know, had a a parent who they felt kind of shut down by when they were little because we talk about that too. Um, Yeah, just send this off. Send it along. And a little reminder that the registration download availability sale of embodying our light and darkness a ritual guide is still available if you haven't checked it out yet head on over to my website and take a look because i would love to support you to practice some ritual around making space for your light and your darkness and discovering your wholeness okay i adore you have a fabulous day And when it's time, let's go listen to the next episode with Rachel Maddox, which trust me, you don't want to miss. She is one of my main teachers in my life right now and is a goddamn genius. Okay, see you soon.